Welcome back to the Limehouse podcast. How the deuce are you doing? How have you been? I've been well. I say that, I'm lying. I've had another cold. Kids going back to nursery is interesting in as much as uh, they're a farm of bacteria and filth. Not the children, the uh, the germs that are there. I love kids. And um, I'm in, in fact, on that note, I'm bouncing one with my right foot right now. Uh, she is, uh, Ray is in a bouncer. I am um, trying to keep her happy on a Sunday afternoon on a bit of a hangover. Good Lord. Yeah, this week, this week's episode, Sinead Matthews. This is a wonderful one because it's... A surprise to me. It's a surprise to me because we do talk about her her journey as an actor, of course, and film roles. But we also talk about her um, her speech, her speech, in as much as she has she had a stutter, um, and still obviously does, but is 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 more in control of it now. And it's something uh, that hit me, took me by surprise because I didn't know about it. And it what took me by surprise how open she was about it and also some of the experience she's had because of it. You can't you can imagine going into an audition if you have a, a stutter, uh, how psychologically that must be just a little bit of a strain. But yeah, we talk about that and I, and I really, really, really enjoyed it. She's such a lovely, warm, open person. And I'm really glad I reached out to her now because kind of one of those conversations you had, you go, yeah, when, when it ends, you go, yeah, we really connected. She was really cool. She was lovely. That doesn't always happen. You know, that doesn't always happen. So sometimes you're kind of hoping for an honest conversation. And guess what? I got one. And I think you'll, you, you will definitely enjoy this. You really will. If you've enjoyed anything thus far. How did you, did you enjoy last week's episode? Aisha, Jawando, that was such a good one. Tina Turner, that was such a, oh man, I, I, I never listened back to my podcast really, but I listened back to that one and that was, I, mean, I enjoyed that. Powerful, powerful uh, woman, loved her, loved her to pieces. So um, before I go, somedaysadiamonds.co.uk, that is a website and I would love for you to just go and have a gander. You know, I've got a Limehouse podcast blog there. I've got uh, a short film up there. I've got a comedy pilot about my time trying to form a band in Guildford. I've got uh, Limehouse podcast episodes. Even got some music that I've written that's up there. There's a lot. It's a lot for you to get into. And in a way, I suppose it's a way of paying me back if you've got anything from these podcasts over the years. If, if, you've, if you've just tuned in, if this is your first experience and you're thinking, hey, how can I help creative people? How can I help, help this, this chap? Well, you don't have to give me any money. Just maybe five minutes of your time. Somedaysadiamonds.co.uk. I would really appreciate your help. I truly mean that. It would mean a lot. Anyway, I'm going to stop yakking now. Enough of my yakking. Spinal Tap reference, if you uh, didn't know. Uh, the Electric Banana. Don't go and look for it. It's not there anymore. Uh, and look after yourself. Um, enjoy the freezing cold May weather. It's appalling in England. 
it's not it, is it going to get better we'll see if you're anywhere else jakarta australia thanks for listening warm we are jealous of your warmth even if you are heading into a slightly cooler time it's probably going to be a whole lot warmer there i live for the sun anyway rock and roll it's from me and ray little baby ray she's nodding off now she's slowly going to sleep look after yourself and enjoy the episode Thanks for thanks for caring, and if you feel like sharing, please do. Oh God, that was so cheesy. Well, well. How are you? How, how have you been anyway? How, how have you been for the past few days, few weeks, whatever? Yeah, not too bad. What have I been doing? I haven't really been doing a lot. I'm starting a job in June. Fingers crossed. So. I'm not either like running to get back out there really quickly, back out into the world. I'm not really doing that yet. Um, yeah. I felt a bit squiffy the past few days. That's probably why I've been lying low. And then I just had to leg it to the shop to get the electricity because it was going to go. This is why. Oh my then- God. It's like jellyfish. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Isn't it? That, that That's film. my life. That's my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, so squi- squif- squiffy, do you mean like like a bit down and what have you? No, more just like, just feeling a bit sick. So I've just been taking... Oh God, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, but you know, but nothing serious, just feeling yeah. a bit, you know, squiffy. Yeah, squiffy. That's quite funny. I'm trying to, I can't remember the last time I used that word. No. I think I've used it, but it's in my repertoire. But I haven't it's used it in years. Like it's there somewhere and then occasionally yeah. it just comes out. I didn't know that I was going to use it. I just used it. <laughs> That's it's because you're an actor. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I've, got a, it's not, I've got a wide vocabulary. Yeah, it's not up to you. The the the, the gods pump, pump this stuff into our brains. And yeah. uh, Jimi Hendrix. Um, don't know why I said Jimi Hendrix. Um, so... Um, Oh man, it's so great to chat with you. I I I just I admire so much of your work, and uh, okay. you are just so you're so unique, man. Like your 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 energy and like your delivery is 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 of like obscenely unique, and I love it so much. Like a, like first time I saw Jellyfish, I was a bit like, oh my, this is the the, the most real portrayal I've ever seen of someone manic depression or manic tendencies you know like if we just we can jump in there i think and then go back to your yeah roots as it were because i, I just love that film so much yeah um, of course i'm, I'm happy had, to talk about that i'm happy to talk about anything nice to yeah. talk yeah it's good to talk bob hoskins <laughs> um where um where did that come, I mean where did where did that like information come or how did you inform that character to, that, so perfectly for that role in jellyfish I think because um thinking about it I played quite a number of dysfunctional you know people with mental illness I'd played them before like on stage mm. in different things I have you know like I know people with mental problems as you know with mental illness um and I'd done a lot of reading on it like over the years I think you know because you sort of end up reading so many books 
about human behavior and the human psyche, like when you're acting and stuff and when you're at drama school and when you're researching parts that I sort of like, I just felt like I'd had, like I had a good foundation because when I got sent the script, it, um, I got sent the script and I was asked to uh, play the role, but not everything was in place yet. So the funding wasn't in place and there was no shooting dates, but I knew as soon as I read it, I had to do it. I just thought, yeah. because the script was incredible. The part was so nuanced and brilliantly written and it didn't feel like that. It didn't feel um, grotesque or, I don't know, poverty porn. You know, that thing, mm. like, it just Absolutely. felt, you know, so rooted in um, a story and these people. So then a few months went by and then suddenly I got a message saying, it's all going ahead and it's gonna start in a few weeks or like a month or something. And so I didn't really have a lot of time. So I just kind of used what I had and um, yeah, like, and just kind of tapped into her life really. Yeah. And her kind of lack of, um, she's so caught up in her own problems and her own illness that she cannot see the lack of care or, you know, where she's failing. And I think, I think that's quite interesting that you say that because um, <clears throat> she's so caught up in it and that, that is the performance that you give it to the level of uh, to such a degree that you, or at least me, for the first time, the viewer, um, you know, there, there are other portrayals, obviously, of mental illness and what have you, but done really well. But this, particularly in, in your case, it's like, you know, I felt like, I felt like that was like um, a part of you coming out, not like in a disrespectful way, but like in a real putting your heart and soul on the line there. And um, the delivery is such, to such an extent that you're like, fuck, this is, I should I be watching watching this? This feels too personal between you, the relationship you have with your, you know, the, the character's daughter. Yeah. It's, oh man, it's so visceral. Yeah, but I do think it has a lot to do with the writing, like anything, because if they give you that to bounce off, and also they were so good, you know, sometimes they just let the scene go on. Um, you know, because I think she's so full of, like she's so blinkered and she's so full of self-hatred and um yeah like so they would let the scene just go on and i would find myself saying things like when she calls them um a bunch of c-u-n-t's <laughs> like and like she leaves the house and like yeah. like a bunch of it's, it just felt like that's all she thinks like in that moment i think yeah. Um, what am I saying? Yeah, yeah, like, so they let it run, you know, like some scenes. And there were a couple of scenes where I said uh, to the director, um, after I did the second take, I just said, I can't do that scene again, because I mm. kind of knew that sometimes, it's not like I'm really method and, you know, but it's more, <laughs> sometimes you cross the line if the scene is, really full on and you know yourself as an actor I felt myself 
cross the line of um, I, I don't know how I'm going to feel after this scene. Oh, so what, how do you mean, like you, you like damaging, like you mean? Or... Yeah, yeah, because I think mm. it's the scene where they're at the dinner table and she's made the pasta, and then the kids hate her, and then she breaks down and she goes to a really, really dark place. And I did it twice, and after that, like I said, I can't do that again. And he totally yeah. understood, and I think that's when it's like a professional. I'm like when it's not you. I'm like you stop yourself from going to an actual dangerous place. Do you know what I like mean? The dark, the oh god, mate, the darkness that you have yeah. to be able to summon up, but you can't. It's um, it's like touch, touch. Yeah, oh god, it's like um. Oh, there's a film. I'm, I can't. I can see it, but anyway, it's like t- t- touching something. The way to. I mean, this is really bad. And I, you can you can just call me an ass face for this, but it's like for me, my little brain, Game of Thrones. Yeah, sure. Where the guy, the guy gets touched by a white walker when he's in a fucking dream. Anyway, that shit stays on him forever. It's like you go yeah. too deep into a role that can access part of your subconscious that or what have you that it breaks out of there into to to you know you're living conscious and it's and it can be really damaging but um I think yeah, that a bit is of one of the scary things about being an actor sometimes is that we do deal with a lot of rejection a lot of the time and we get used to that and but we have to be so like like we have to go into rooms and be so open with our hearts mm. whilst at the same time having this um like the skin of a rhino so we have to be tough and yet we yeah. have to parts that are so open like in order to be able to deliver human emotion or, or you know yeah, yeah you no completely find a way to protect that so that you don't end up completely crazy yeah i had that with um i i, I made a, a, a film recently well not recently that's a load of crap about a year and a half ago mm. and um coming to the editing process now but the um the actress in the film Daisy Badger she's fantastic she plays Pip Pip Archer in the Archers right and she's she's I'm such really... a lovely girl she's a wonderful <laughs> actor but she had to play a role of a, a person who'd lost her uh, had a still stillborn child and and it's really super you know and I didn't I mean I wrote the script thinking oh an actress is gonna love this they're gonna sink their teeth into this this is gonna be great. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. She was like, by the end of the shoot, like, that was it. You know, she was, Will, I cannot, this is too much. And I was like, looking into her eyes, I was like, oh, okay. This, yeah. This is what you, this is what you guys do. Like, this is, this goes deep. You can't, you, to, to, and what I'm trying to say is that her performance was so insanely good. Like, you know, and much yeah. to, you know, like, like yourself, you know. I guess I'm trying to speak to your point about, you know, where you, the darkness that you have to summon up and what have you and how lasting effect it can have. But, yeah. oh my God. Yeah, yeah, and I think you just have to mind yourself along the way and protect yourself and, you know, so be able to do that, you know, but then have the, have, you know, have the tools in order to, you know, like, and like to sort yourself out after it. <laughs> right. Like to make yeah. sure that it's okay. <laughs> yeah, like Only Fools and Horses, Dad's Army, um, Peep Show. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. Or chocolate brownies. Lots of chocolate <sighs> brownies. Or anything, anything yeah. that, 
you know, bring, you know. <laughs> bring an old stuffed animal. Um, but, that, I mean, yeah. sorry, I've really, I've forgotten the name of the um, actor you performed alongside who plays your daughter in that movie. Live, Live Hill. Yeah. Live Hill, right? I mean, yeah. that's a natural performance, isn't it? That's very, yeah. like, it's so, so natural at times. It's like, oh, my God, again, like, is this, did this really happen? Is this happening? Is this, is this a fly on the wall documentary? What is going on here? It's so naturalistic, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, she's incredible, Liv, and she's such a wise person. Like, she's like an old, uh, she's like an old She's like an old soul, Liv, you know, she's, she was just so, like, you turn up set and you do that film and you start acting opposite, like, each other, like, with little, like, rehearsal, you just have to kind of depend on each other. Um, yeah. And then you watch it and go, oh, my God, wow. You're just acting, like, with each other and hoping that it will be okay and that the director's happy. And then after yeah. watching you know, this incredible thing at Dinard Film Festival. It was there a few years ago before um, the release. And Monica Bellucci was, she was like uh, running the festival like that year. And they don't have an award for an actor, but they created a special award for Liv for that performance. Yeah. It's, I think Liv must oh have been like 17 or something. Imagine, like, yeah, Monica Bellucci created a, an award for me. <laughs> that, that, is, that is astounding, isn't it? Like, yeah. Oh, Jesus. I mean, and also what, what is worth pointing out is that's two, two female actors, you know, um, fronting a film. That doesn't really happen all that much. Do, were you aware of that during the process of that movie or was it... Um... I don't think I was. I think I was just, I think, you know, like sometimes when you're making films like that, you have no, you have no idea of what the outcome will be because it was such a low budget film and, ev you know, and everybody was busting a gut like to do it because everyone believed in it so much. It was literally, and it was just such a quick shoot as well. And so you don't, I don't think we realised it until until it started doing the festivals and then we were like, oh, this is coming home to people. This is, you know, and it's really a lot of the responses we were getting from like social workers or people that work in the field of young carers was so incredible. The letters that James would get, I think, I think that meant the most, like that we were like representing a part of a, a part of society that people uh, that a lot of people don't know is happening. Oh, oh God, yeah. Or just like the just the the, the temptation that we all go through uh, to just simply turn our turn away, right? Just turn our backs. Yeah. Um, it does it. Yeah, I mean James Gardner, right? Is that the the director? Yeah. Yeah, and like, absolutely, like, amazing film. I wanted to, you know, touch on the beginning. I think it's just such a well-crafted movie. The terms, I keep saying movie, it's a film, Christ. Um, uh, you know, from, like, the opening shots of Margate 
and the end shots of Margate. I love that. I love that's such a beautiful attention to detail. Not yeah. every not everyone's going to pick up on that, but I love that element to it. Like a real like, and here you go. You know, now we've closed this perfectly. It's be in and out snapshot of this yeah. trauma, this this terror. You know, and like um, yeah, and also the um, the awful scene where she's at work and her boss rapes her. And then the camera pulls out and goes through the arcade. And then just, it's like, that's happening inside. And the world is just going by around this roundabout. Yeah. I just thought that was brilliant. And he just left it for the right amount of time for people to feel uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely love that. So that Thanks for reminding me of that actually, mate, because that is so good, isn't it? Like the, um, it is, and that's a really good depiction, isn't it? Of like what what's going on behind closed doors, what's happening up and down the country and in, in around the world, yeah. rather. Um, it does, yeah. A moment's pause. It, it really is fantastic. Mm. Um, but it is dark, isn't it? I mean, Margate's a great town to shoot in as well, isn't it? Because that's like a kind of an up and well, I don't want to say up and coming. It's just, just really, really, just, just like well, it's what, uh, you know, like London on Sea or whatever, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's... The Londoners are coming and all that. I mean, yeah. but um, I've I've been to Margate once and uh, you know loved it and everything. Like, yeah. what's it? What's it like going to like location and and getting that? I mean, do you say boys? What about ten days, two weeks to shoot that movie? Yeah. Well, the weird yeah. thing. is... Hold on, where have you gone? <laughs> where, where have I gone? Where have where you, you gone? gone? Your phone's I just... can't get my... Oh, shit. Hello? It, it, hello, how are you? <laughs> I can't get my video back. Oh. There it is. There it is. I love that. That was really big. Sorry? Now I'm really big and I want small. Oh. You can look. You can look big. It's fine. You know, um, I look massive yeah. at the moment. I'm on a laptop. I'm. 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 Com I'm un uncomfortably big, to be honest. Yes. Okay. So what I was gonna say. Just <laughs> do that. Is that okay? That's. Yeah, that's okay. fine. That works. Oh my god. Yeah. So what I was gonna say. <laughs> that might happen again, by the way, because I'm hopeless. Yeah. And okay, I move around a lot. Um. Yeah. So, the week before, I'd been in Devon doing another, like, indie film, and I'd been staying in a massive kind of country house with the cast, and we'd been shooting for about a month in the middle of nowhere. And we were... And the weird thing is, like, like we'd all got very close. It was a big, sociable company, Um like the film was about this bohemian family and we all kind of, you know, like became this family. I finished mm -hmm. that and then a few days later went to Margate to get into this film. And it was two completely different worlds. And when yeah. I first got to Margate, I was actually really down. Um, I think because the weather wasn't great and sometimes seaside places can be quite melancholic and I think very yeah yeah with trying to God. get into like the part 
from being in this other place, in this other world with these other, um, mm -hmm. with these other people. It took me a good few days to start to enjoy it, actually. Mm. I, I was a bit, at, um, I was like, I felt quite lonely and quite down, like when I first got there. And yeah. like, it was like, I was really, really small. And I, I don't know, I like had this weird feeling. And then I had a day off and I took the walk. Oh, what's it called? There's a famous walk that you can do from Margate up through um, through to Broadstairs, and it's a good few hours. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's I think called, I know that, probably, yeah. It's called something like the Pirate Trail, like, but it's not okay. pirate. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Wow. But, um, yeah, so I did that, and, and I really got, like, windswept, and I just kind of, like, walked it, and then I was okay. Okay, you, like cleared your, one, you cleared your head. Yeah, and then once I got there, no, and then once I'd been there for a few days, I really fell in love with Margate, actually. And, Man, yeah. it's got so many, it's got some great little boozers, like, yeah. Yeah, oh, really small little gosh. pubs. Yeah, oh, I miss that, I really do. I'm in Dis in Norfolk, and there aren't very many pubs. And are you the in ones Norfolk? That are... Yeah, 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 cool. just on the border. Yeah, cool, cool. Aha! I love it because it's partridge country, right? It's like, yeah. that's legit. If it was Suffolk, I'd be like, yeah, it's it's partridge, man. I'm going to go to a BP garage and I'm just going to make best friends with someone. Yeah, yeah. do Yeah. Um, so that's quite cool, man. Like, I love, because that's, that's an interesting thing about actors, isn't it? Because, you, you know, you do have to go from job to job to job and, and reset and play reset and rewind and go for it again and find your mojo and what have you that that cannot be easy yeah actually i love it i love doing that sometimes it's a bit you know yeah like that one uh, was quite difficult but then once i you know gotten in you know because i do like um not change but i like that kind of challenge of like doing different things and dipping my foot into different things and so I think that lends itself well to the career that I've chosen you know because right, right. I'm straight yeah. that you know that happens just all the time like I can't imagine having one job that I do like that I've done my whole life like one of my favorite shows is at American Office Oh, I, mate, I just had a chat with the guy who plays David Wallace. Uh, no, that's my fiancé's, like, that's one of his favourite actors. Oh, uh, Andy Buckley? Yeah, he adores him. Yeah. Oh, great. He's a like, fucking sweetheart. Yeah, he seems it, right? Yeah, he is, man. Oh, my God, um, yeah. <laughs> we're obsessed with that show. And I watched yeah, that me show. Too. And it's only through that show that I think, yeah, I'd love to work in an office. I'd love to work. <laughs> like, <laughs> me too, man. Me too. You know what I mean? Like, they have such love. <laughs> they have their trials and tribulations. How bad you can know? it be? <laughs> like, it looks brilliant. You know, but when in fact, I don't think I could ever do that. No, I've done it. I've done it. I did it my whole life. I think I've done it for a month in total over like, you know, 20 odd years. And I'm like, oh my God, office environments 
can be absolutely toxic and, and mind-numbingly awful, right? You can just feel your life ebbing away. But that's what I like about the British one, because the British one, you really get, you do get a sense of Martin Freeman's character, his life literally dripping away. Yeah. I'm so glad you love the American office, man, because it's just kept me going through lockdown, I tell you. Us too. Us too. Exactly the same, literally. And, and we watch it again and again and again. Like, oh, brilliant. I think we're just going to watch it our whole lives until we die. <laughs> Yeah, but my thing is I've watched it all um, once, uh, twice round now over mm. probably I don't know how many years. But um, I just forget because I binge it every single time. I, f- I forget episodes, and that's quite cool, you know, because you get to revisit them. What, what's like your favorite? Is there a few favorite moments you have? Because I, I struggle so, <laughs> I struggle so much to remember stuff. It's ridiculous. I know, right? I mean, I just love Pam and Jim. Like, yeah, I just love Jim. I love Steve Carell. I think Michael Scott is a genius creation because oh. he is so cringe and so annoying, but you just love him and you cry for him and yeah. you laugh at him. And you, you know, one of my favorite moments is when Pam takes him to the airport and they turn the mics off. And they have a little thing. Yeah. And we don't know what she says, but it's a real moment. I love the bit where he comes back for the wedding and it's a big surprise. So when he's left and it's like, and he comes back for someone's wedding. Is it Dwight's wedding? It's for Dwight's wedding. Dwight and Angela get married at the end. Yeah, that's it. Or just spoiled it. I don't give a shit. Yeah, Yeah. well, when he comes back. And he doesn't yeah. even say anything. It's like he no. doesn't—he doesn't steal the episode. He just comes back for that. I wanted him to, though, Sinead. I wanted him to, dude. I wanted him to. I was—I so, missed him so much. It just yeah. about held up. Season like eight, whatever. When he left, I can't remember, but it just about held up. But really, like they could—they tried to fill it with the, some of the biggest names, didn't they? And I don't yeah. think it. it it, it misses it so much. I miss his character so much. It's ridiculous. Yeah, really I, You wanted to see what those cats got up to, you know, like what Holly <laughs> yeah. and, and Michael, oh, right? Holly's amazing. I, lo- I love the proposal with the candles. Oh, and the things come on the sprinklers. And yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. So you quite a romantic person then? I think so. Yeah. I think so. I mean... Life hasn't made me too cynical. I mean... And you're an actor, so that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I can be... I think generally I'm a, I'm a big, fat optimist and I try to stay positive, whatever's happening. That doesn't so always... Big, do you say uh-huh. you're a big, fat optimist? Yeah. Oh, good, okay. <laughs> I thought that's great. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. no, I thought I'd misheard you. But um, yeah, yeah, I'm glad you are. That's wonderful. Yeah. Can I, I have some of that? Yeah, of course. Like, there you go. It's so easy. It's easy as that. Thanks very much, mate. That's Thank how you. it works now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but I think I'm, I rem- think I'm a romantic. Yeah, yeah. You, you clearly are, considering you picked out Pam and uh, Jim as your favourites. I'm like... Yeah, I oh, I love I love how Creed throughout the whole thing of the office, <laughs> cool. like they never overexpose him, do they? They just give him yeah. the perfect amount of lines the entire time. Yeah, 
Yeah, oh, the set is Phyllis. Like, she's such a great character. Every character is oh, yeah. so good. And I just yeah. love Angela as well. Like, yeah. I, just, I, I just love all of them. I feel Do like you... I just want to work there. <laughs> I'm like, you wouldn't Pam, be able to it's not so bad. Like... Yeah, well, I, I, I'd like to see you. I mean, you know, Catherine, I didn't enjoy Catherine Tate all that much in, in, in the American office. I'm sorry if you're friends with her or something. But I, um, you know, I, <laughs> I didn't really, I didn't, oh, I've, I've struggled so much with, with her yeah, being I in think, it. But um, Yeah, like, I like appreciate hammy. her talent and work. But um, what I just think, because you miss Michael and then, and then all these new people come in and you're trying to adjust and you're trying to see where yeah. they fit in. And it was just such a perfect little family, wasn't it? It really was. Um, let, talking about families, hey, segue. Um, where, where did you grow up and, and all that kind of jazz? And, and when did this acting, like, kick in? Yeah, I grew up... I'm just going to try and that. Is that better? Sorry, I'm like being really vain. What is, are we doing a light change? That's made no made difference. Absolutely but, you know, no difference whatsoever. No. Can I, can I, can I do, does that make any difference? I've just turned the light around. That's that. Does that piss you off because it's better or because it's worse? No, it's absolutely fine. Yeah. And I should just shut up and get on with the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny because I, I do chats all the time and I didn't bring a light until like two weeks ago because the guy I was chatting with was like, I can't see your face. Why Why are you in the dark? This is stupid. Go and get a light. <laughs> go and get anyway, a light sorry. now. Yeah, go and get a light, man. So, sorry, yeah, where, did, where, yeah. where were you um, brought up and, and, and what have you? Yeah, so I was brought up in Coventry, um, yeah. but also Australia. So I lived in Coventry till yeah. I was seven, and then my parents emigrated to Perth, and then I went with them because I was seven. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow. Um, Hey guys, responsible parents. <laughs> yeah. Oh really? Okay then. I don't like Australia. I'm going to stay in Coventry. Um, Age seven, that's fine. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I went to Australia for six years. Came back to Coventry. Yeah. Then and then did my high school in Coventry. What we what was happening in, in Australia that was so in Perth that was so important for you guys to well shot over there. My dad, who's from Belfast originally, yeah. um, he's like one of ten with loads of them. And quite a few of the brothers had emigrated over there and to New Zealand. Okay. And I think my parents, they were so young. Like my mum was something like 26, 27. My dad was 30. And they just went, let's go for the better mm. quality of life. And let's go and yeah. be with family out there. And my dad was a tyler. So there's loads of work there for Tyler's. Yeah. My mum ended up going back to university out there and getting a degree and then she became a teacher. So, and it was great oh. up there, like as a kid, you know, everything's outside. It's just oh, that yeah. it, it just felt so much more innocent over there. Yeah. yeah. Like it was all just playing and handstands and swimming and I don't know. We were just, I think you were allowed Like just heat. Oh, so much heat. And and nice. just always, you know, just make sure like that you make friends with someone who had a pool. That's all that matters. <laughs> Find yeah, out yeah. who 
which kids had the ball and then you made friends with them. Luckily, <laughs> there was someone on my street that had a ball. So it was yeah. like, oh, I'm coming around for a swim or some of my um, aunties and uncles had pools. And, yeah. But it's really important because like some days we were sent home from school because it was 45 yeah. degrees. Yeah, like but, but literally, like, you know, the water's boiling. Mental. We know it's too hot because we put some water outside and it's evaporated in five seconds. So yeah. it's time to send the kids home before they die. Yeah, basically. You know? Yeah. Well, so like Aust- Australia, this is interesting because that's a country that keeps coming up in this podcast. I think a lot of people, families do that, don't they? The, the emigration thing to Oz and um, yeah. I've got friends that have done that. I, I get it. I understand it. You know, I mean, this fucking winter of ours, if it carries on for much longer, I'm I'm just going to start, I don't know, like just doing weird things, like just throwing my own shit around the room. Or do something. it. Just... I'm going to lose my mind. I'm sorry. You'll probably, yeah. you'll probably get an audience and because people are so bored. Yeah. Like, oh my God, what's happening? The guy at the throne is saying shit around. This is, <laughs> this is cutting edge. Yeah. <laughs> Modern art, Damien Hurst is knocking on my door. So like, yeah. um, and, and so you were there for what, six years? And, yeah. and then you came, you came back here um what was yeah. that like that's like roots you've developed serious roots in oz and then you're asked to come back here like that's that's yeah. something and um, you know it's funny because this is like i'm like another way that i think that i've always been an optimist my parents were like so we're going to go back to england you know and we were thinking about maybe bristol and they said all these other places and then they said coventry and then i went oh coventry let's go back to coventry and it's like in a very optimistic way like I probably had very um you know rose tinted memories of of uh Coventry but um right. it was it it's a tough place it was a tough um, place to go yeah. I mean like it was I think I've always felt a bit like an outsider because you go from Coventry to Perth and and you're an outsider because you talk differently and at, you know when you're a smelly pommy and huh. and you do things you know differently and then you go back like and then you start to settle in and then you go back and then you're an outsider again and everyone and you're like this like uh, when I got to high school I was like this alien and mm-hmm. and everyone was like what's Summer Bay like what's Ramsey Street like? I was like, I've never yeah. been. It's not an actual place. Like, It's thousands I, of miles away. Yeah. and I Like from know, Perth, I, Perth to Sydney, whatever. Yeah, like huge. And I dressed, you know, I dressed weird and I sounded weird. Yeah. And Coventry was just very tough. Like I remember straight away being put into a situation where... I had to kiss a boy in front of everyone. And like, there was like crowds of people going, kiss, kiss, kiss. And I was like, this is the most embarrassing thing ever. And I think I pecked him on the tree. On, I like, I like pecked him on the cheek and then legged yeah. it. And I was just like, this is so intense. Like, that really is. It was just, yeah. And the girls, a lot of the girls hated me because I was, this newbie and I was from Australia 
the boys are obviously like, oh, there's something new to look at. <laughs> right, yeah, right. And yeah. so because the boys took a shine, let's, the girls hated me. Yeah, let, let, let's look at that new, like, they're like fucking magpies, aren't they? Let's look at that flashy <laughs> new thing. Oh, they're walking erections and stuff, right? Yeah, and there's lots of, like, insults, but it's just because they probably fancied me, right? <laughs> of course. Goes without that's saying. What yeah. I and, just um, I find I find high school what high school I find um I find college and all that very interesting but you would have been 13 so it's like we 13 was that right Yeah so that that was that's a again a brutal time I I I went to um back to boarding school at age 13 and wow. um had some fucking horrendous uh experiences um really bad and that oh, was that's such a, a, it's developing age right 13 yeah. it's a shocking it's a shocking age for shit to start going wrong but i take it yeah. you sort of like you fought through it did you find any kind of like solace in performing art at all or well it was dancing really so i i went to this amazing dance school called susan west school of dance and it was at it was just around the corner and i would dance tuesday night wednesday night thursday night um wow and so I just used to, I, I was obsessed with dancing and music and... and like that T-Rex song, I was dancing when I was 12 or whatever it is. No. Dancing I was oh, I probably have. Yes, I think I have. Yeah. Yeah, well, that was me. Like, yeah. Mm, but I did have actually a really great group of friends who weren't like the really, really naughty girls, but they weren't the goody goodies either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love that. In fact, what happened on my first day, the teacher put me with the really, really goody goodies at the front of the class. And, yeah. I, and like, I think I'd been sat there for maybe half an hour and then the recess bell went and one of the girls from the back came up and went, we've come to rescue you. You can't be friends with them. You've got to be friends with us. <laughs> so I literally just, like, uh, like, yeah, like, I just, like, I just kind of, like, uh, did as I was told because I, you know, that was the way that it was. You kind of, oh, okay, yeah. I'll be your friends with them, you know. When did you start really, I know you, you said, obviously, you were dancing and stuff, but when did... Um... When did it cross over into stage, or was it? Did you just did you do Rada and that and they, and, and and that sort of thing? But I know that's further down the line, obviously, because that's more when you're sort of eighteen, nineteen, whatever. But I mean, when 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 did the bug for acting sort of hit? Well, um, I guess I've always I've kind of always been obsessed with films, and but to be honest, I had a stammer growing up, so I wasn't like. I'm going to be an actor and I'm going to, you know, do this. Yeah. It was more, I loved dancing because I didn't have to talk. It was all just like expression and movement and I loved all that. But my ballet mm. teacher, when I was 15, she, it was the end of class and she took me to one side and said, I think you should try drama. Yeah. And I'd been doing some drama lessons at school, but they were, they weren't good. I mean, you know, it just wasn't, it just wasn't proper, you know. And so my ballet teacher was like, I think you should try Stratford-upon-Avon College because they do this A-level drama package. Mm -hmm. And because I was so impressionable, because I was a bit of a daydreamer, 
I, I was like, okay, I'll go there. Um, <laughs> and then I, sorry, and then um, and then I uh, got the bus there from Coventry to Stratford and had an interview, and I got in. And it was there really that I met all these amazing like-minded people. And it was there through the two years of doing A-levels that I kind of discovered that that is what I wanted to do, that I didn't want to go to university. I kind of found my voice there. My stammer was still bad, but it was the, the first time I did a monologue. And I absolutely loved it so much. And the audience loved it. So, like, that helped the ego, you know. That was like, yeah. oh, okay. I'm and not, I can't I imagine. That. that must be so hard, though. Like, no, that... I mean, it's one thing conquering your nerves and, and performing on stage, performing mm. whatever and whatever, like, um, category. But, like, in terms of um, having to overcome a stammer, I mean, that's that's pretty remarkable, right? Yeah, well... It was, I think, because I'd had this stammer and because at times it was really, really bad, mm. I think I thought something in me knew that it, uh, that I could do it. And so I think I was just incredibly, like, I was young and brave. And I think I mm. just thought, I want to do this and I'm just going to do it. And so I auditioned for drama school. I didn't get in the first year, mm. but I got in the next year. And um, and the whole way through, I just I just think I had this drive, yeah. like, to do it. The power of youth, man. Like, it's, uh, it's, yeah. a, it's so useful. And, like, throwing myself into the unknown, moving to London, I still had a bad stammer, but Rada sent me to speech therapy. I was still struggling every day, like in certain classes. And I think God. if you've struggled to speak when it comes to actually being in control and having a script and having someone else's breath pattern and someone else's speech pattern, you can own it wholly. Okay, yeah. Because yeah, it's not your That's such an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. Like you can uh, wear the cloak, as it were. Yeah. And, mm. you know, occasionally, you know, but I found that when I was actually on stage in the park, a calm came over me in a way that I didn't have in real life in, like, certain situations. Like, I was okay. able to be. Yeah. So there's kind of like a form of escapism, um, but would, would be. I mean, I, I understand like the escapism that performing uh, gives some people, um, but for you, it's it's. it's, it's I'm, tr I'm trying to compute what that must be like to 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 have a situation in your life where you're struggling to act to to physically form words to speak, and then you go out onto the most vulnerable platform a human being can can kind of almost achieve. Yeah, um, it's mental. Yeah. It is level of vulnerability, man. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, and I don't think I've ever shied away from that. And so I think maybe that's been my strength, actually, that I've I've never really, you know, we all make, I'm like, like, we have to fail. We have to get it wrong. We have to, you know, like, we have to fall. Mm. Uh, 
and I think because I've always put myself into situations where I'm I might where I might fail mm. it's helped I think maybe to build up a stamina or I don't know like it must Not have in some way can I ask how, because I know some people form stammers because of a, a trauma and what have you. Like I know um, there's um, quite a, re- a well, a Scroobius Pip, who um, the famous, um, I don't know, he's like a semi-actor, podcaster, but uh, mm-hmm. well, musician, that's who he is. Um, <laughs> he's um, he still struggles with his stammer occasionally, but he's, he's mastered it uh, to a degree. And mm-hmm. his was, I think, uh, was brought on when he nearly drowned when he was very young. Do you, do you have any oh, idea wow. where your where your stammer came, stammer came from at all? Well, I think well, my dad has it, and okay. on my dad's side, um, there's quite a few of them that have one, yeah. and you know they grew up in Belfast in the time of the Troubles as well, and I mm. wonder whether that's anything to do with that, and you inherit what you inherit from your parents or from your family. Do you inherit trauma? you know what I mean absolutely you do like I I completely agree I I am of that side of things I definitely agree that trauma can be totally inherited like definitely I think like you talk to people from like that that are you know um related to survivors of the holocaust you know they they carry their baggage with them definitely yes in fact yeah like um like I read a book about that exact thing about the second generation holocaust survivors um yeah so I think that that's probably, you know, it's weird because I'm a strange mix of confident and shy. Mm-hmm. And um, and the stammer was, you know, like being at parties and stuff growing up and not being able to say your name and then not being able to explain why you can't say your name. And you God. and it, it it's this really weird thing that happens. I don't really have it now because of age and experience occasionally it will come back in certain situations yeah but what happens is um the voice the thoughts and the breath as soon as it happens everything just goes it disperses okay and i can't get them back together so i can't link them all up and so my thoughts that are really coherent and you know and clear mm. suddenly they will just turn into clouds and my voice is just blocked and my breath is like over there and i'm it's really weird feeling but you know you can get out of that now but i mean presumably when you're younger that's pretty terrifying awful it's awful because then you form twitches so mm. you form ways to try and help you physically get the words out. You don't know what that looks like, but you'll do anything to try to get your name out. Um, And I didn't have the stammer that, well, the one that's like, mine just nothing would come out, you know, and so I, you know, and God, awful situations, but, and I, so I presume you, like that led to bullying. Like, like it can't not have done, right? Yeah, I mean, weirdly, I don't. Weirdly, I don't remember massive bullying about that because I yeah. think I just kept 
until I started doing acting, I, I wasn't particularly vocal in class. Yeah. I just kind of stayed with my mates and I would just dance. And if I was in a comfortable situation, I was okay. But then the minute that that thing happens, it's trying to control that. And that's when, you know, say like the first time that I had an agent meeting when I was in the third year at RADA, it was yeah. one of the worst things I've ever experienced. And I just yeah. couldn't string a sentence together. I must have come across completely mad, actually, because I didn't know whether to say I had a stammer. And I completely ballsed it, you know, and that can happen in this industry. That can happen a lot. And it happens to me where I'll go in so prepared for an audition. I know what I'm doing. And then that thing will happen. And it's about energy. If I get a weird energy, it triggers something. Wow, really that's, that's so interesting like that that yeah. is that that's pretty so even even now it can happen in an interview in a situation um do you do you like caveat uh, interviews before you go do your agent go look you know she, you know Sinead does have this it problem sometimes it can happen blah 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 it probably won't happen there's chances are very minimal but you know yeah I don't know I and is that even patronising? Do you know what I mean? I don't know. Well, to be honest, I'm still trying to work that out. Like, I did a, radio, a live radio interview because I um, did the second, no, the third series of, of The Crown. Yeah. And I, did, and I did this live radio interview and I was completely fine. The minute the radio interview started, I mean, it was awful. It was awful, and I was trying to answer these questions, which I know the answers to. And ooh, anyway, it was awful. And then I realised, yeah, I realised after it that if I'd have just said, "Look, I've got a stammer," just to let you know that if I start to make weird, um, weird sounds, that's what it is. But because I didn't say that, I think I think it actually made it worse. Because sometimes if I just say that, it's fine. And so yeah. I'm still trying to work out the best way to deal with it. Sometimes professionally, because I get really paranoid that maybe they'll think differently of me or they'll judge me or. Yeah, you know. I think it's like with with anything that's got a slight sense of I'm, I mean I, this is a maybe a wrong word to use, but a sense of shame almost attached to it, like a bit of, yeah. I don't know, whatever the fuck it is. As soon as you clear yeah. the air, and I learned this at a, a reasonably out old older age, but as soon as you start clearing clearing the air and going into a room and be able to just, just you know say look this is my shit and this is yeah. sometimes sorry blah, blah blah, oh my god, like it bursts bursts the balloon in your head that you've created for you, somehow. You, you know, totally. It's, but it's it's not as easy as that, is it? It's not just, oh, I'll just do that. Oh, I'll just say to this producer that I've never met before and this, yeah. these other people, oh, by the way, you know, it's it, that's tricky. Exactly. And so I think everything's a learning curve, isn't it? And I'm still kind of having those, even though I don't stammer really that much anymore and I have much more control, um, I'm still having conversations like that like god you know should i say why didn't i say 
I should mm. be up front. I shouldn't be ashamed. You know, this is who I am. Dude, you are too cool. And this is ridiculous. This is a ridiculous thing to say, but I'm going to say it. But you're too cool and you're too fucking fantastic to not just like own, own 30 seconds, 10 seconds and just go, look, this is my, this is my thing. Don't yes. worry about it. I'm, you know, I'm not going to start shitting myself and throwing the, the shit around the room like William Porteous. I'll leave that you, up to you. That's good. You, You've got you that. that. You do that. You leave that shit throwing feces freaked thing to me. Um, but yeah, I just, but it's, it's like I said, it's easier said than done and, and what have you. But it's just, what I do love about that though, mate, is that it's, it's, it's really interesting for people that will be listening to this who, who do suffer from, from any social anxiety or however yeah. deep, deep, how deep rooted it is to hear someone who's been as successful as you are and overcome so many hurdles to still, you know, be struggling, but also um, be able to deal with it, you know? Yeah, well, that's what I thought of, um, about that radio interview is I just thought, well, I hope there's, you know, kids at home or young teenagers who are maybe wanting to get into drama and maybe they have a speech impediment or something and maybe they're listening and going, well, she's in the crown, she's from Coventry, she's got yeah. a stammer. So, you know, because also I think how I dealt with having a stammer is I think I just kind of like, I think I just like ambushed, ambushed my way. Like it wasn't really happening and I would just yeah. deal with it like when I had to. Yeah. So in the way that I dealt with it was to put myself onto a platform where I had to deal with it. Yeah. So if I go into that profession, I will have to deal with it. I can't. Whereas That's I think if you go like that, we're not going there, which I think, yeah. you know, that happens a lot. But, and now I'd like to think, I know I'd love to be able to help kids with, who have a stammer and. It's so brave though, what you did there. Like to turn to, to basically face up, face up to it. I think That's it's pretty what... mental actually. <laughs> you think, I think it is pretty mental to be honest, mate. I mean, yeah. you know, going on that stage, like that level of exposure yeah. uh, with the with the, with a speech speech impediment, it's yeah. like wow, that's full on, that's that's ballsy and slightly crazy. But I think you know, hats off. And young, like, you know, young. Yeah. And I'm gonna do it. I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I'd love I'd love to talk to you about. Um, we haven't got all that long left. In fact, really, mm -hmm. we've only technically only got two minutes left. But oh, um. Yeah. I, I'll stop recording this part well, because, start, like, because of me. Yeah, no, no, it wasn't yeah. you. Um, it was my phone breaking. My sorry, this computer breaking. But yeah. um, what um, in terms of like your TV roles and what have you, like, how do you get how do you get on the ladder of, of TV and how do you start? Um, and is it is it about agents? Is it about natural gift? Is it what is it? And I know it must be a, a, a combination of a few things. But in your own yeah. experience, like how how when did when does the ball start rolling, or when did it start rolling for you? I think Mike Lee came to all of our third year shows at um, like at Rada. Yeah. And he cast me in Vera Drake when I was uh, still at Rada. Yeah. And I don't think I had an agent at that point. And I think his belief and support 
helped me hugely because I think because word gets around and if I'm honest um, if you've got that you know like I got the most brilliant agent who um, like when I was at RADA and she was an absolute angel and she didn't care that I had a stammer and she was just like yeah. come on let's go we're going to do this and I was like yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah let's do it um <laughs> But yeah, and and so once people knew that I was going to do Vera Drake, weirdly, like I think that just opened a few doors. Hmm. But I was still struggling with auditions, so things didn't really come easy. Hmm. Um, in terms of like, I didn't like shoot up straight away, but I think I've had a really consistent time yeah. where and I have no idea like why or how but I do know that I think Mike Lee putting you know giving me his support from really early on must have helped because people respect him and people and then people like want to know who you are um yeah and then I did like yeah like I got a couple of I got a brilliant part actually in Trial and Retribution, playing. A oh my god, that that's a really intense. That's the one where the dude bites off his the cigarette stubs, right? He is like a the police. Is that a police? Is it a police drama thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Police. Yeah, that's and dark shit, man. That's some dark stuff. Yeah, and I got um, this amazing part playing yeah. this character called Rachel Burns, who was. A serial killer basically with a personality disorder and it was a, a gift of a part and I was quite young and it, it it just gave me a confidence and gave me that thing of like uh, there's no room for stammering there's no time for stammering because I was just you know like if you're given the opportunity and you meet it yeah. That's all you can do, you know, but a lot of people just aren't given the opportunity. No. But I think, so I think that part, like that came along um, quite early. And that was just such a great challenge and such, like you don't, I haven't played a part like that since. And I was what, 26, 25, 26. Really? 26 and I don't think I've played a part like that like on television since I haven't like I've played you know just more like supportive comedy parts or say the yeah. crown you know but I haven't played a part like that since then um oh, so, well I mean I really want to see this where can can I see it or is it is it is it a YouTube yeah thing? I'm can sure I... you can yeah and the episode is called curriculum by Ty, what's that word? V uh, curriculum. Yeah. yeah, cheers, man. Okay, cheers. <laughs> bye bye. 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 bye.